It's been a great morning. It's been a great morning. And as you can tell by my voice, I've got a little frog in my voice or whatever you want to say. So I've kind of stayed back from people this morning. If you've seen me holding back from greeting you, that's the reason why. Um, but it's been a great morning. I Sometimes when I get like this and I, I preach, I just preach right through these things. I just rely on you to listen to me a little bit closer. We're going through the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, um, we kind of put the big title on it, the man, the message, and the manner. Meaning in chapters one and two, it focuses on, on the man, Paul. On chapters three and four, it will focus on the message, the gospel. It will dive even deeper into it. And then in verses five, or chapters five and six, then it will look at the manner, the manner of life and the way in which we should live. So this Sunday, um, we are in Galatians 2, 11 through 21, and I titled this, How Much Do I Believe in This? How Much Do I Believe This? How Much Do I Believe This? And I, I, I put it that way because Paul is writing to these Christians in these churches in this region called Galatia, and these churches are not very old. They're, they're very, very young churches, and therefore they're filled with young Christians young Christians, and and he is trying to get a point across to them, and he's going to do it in many different ways, but this Sunday, this, this passage of scripture, it's almost like him saying to them, this is how much I believe what I'm saying. This is how much I believe this soapbox that I've been standing on. Remember the soapbox? The soapbox of Paul is Christ, anybody? Alone. Okay, ready? Christ alone. Yeah, that's the main thing I want you to remember from the whole book of Galatians. If you walk away from it and go, Christ alone, that's you, you've got it. But that's the soapbox he's on. And, and, and this is how much I believe it is kind of like what Paul is saying, saying to them. So just a bit of review. First off, Paul starts off this whole letter with proclaiming the gospel. And if you go back to chapter one, verse three through five, this is really crucial. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a grace and a peace that comes from God and from Jesus Christ to you. Keep going. Who gave himself. How does this come to you? That he gave himself for our sins. There's our contribution, our sins, to rescue us from this present evil age. That we needed to be rescued from this present evil age. This present evil age is headed to hell. It's headed to not eternity with God, but eternity away from God. And every time I see that, this present evil age, I think of Noah and the ark. I think of, I think of that, that, that time when the world was so evil, but God provided an ark. And he said to Noah, get on the ark. And anybody that would be on the ark would be saved from this present evil world. Well, God has provided a better ark, and that better ark is Jesus Christ. So back to the passage, to rescue us from this present evil age, according to, now notice this, it's not our plan. This is not our will. It's according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And in those two or three verses right there, you have the gospel. You have what the good news stands for. Now, the next thing, he addresses the problem, 
In the next two verses, here's a problem. I'm astonished, he says, or I marvel, or I'm, I'm amazed um, that you so quickly are deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Here's the problem. They're turning to a different gospel, which is, he says in verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here's the problem, is he gave them the simple gospel in verses 3 through 5, but he said there's others that have come in behind him who are trying to make the gospel something else, or it's Jesus plus something else. That's the problem we have. So now, this portion of scripture, Paul is trying to give them some assurance that what he has given to them is the gospel, is what they are to hold on to. There's been some attacks on his character of who is this Paul, you know, kind of thing, and, and even the message itself. So as we've been walking through here, he's giving his readers assurance that what he gave them in verses three through five is the gospel. And that's what we stand upon. So in that assurance, uh, over the last couple of weeks, he told about his whereabouts. Yeah, I went up here and then I went here and then I went here for a while and then I came down here and then I went over here and he gives all his whereabouts. And then he gives us who about. His, I, uh, three years later, I met with Peter and then I met with James, the, the brother of Jesus. And then, and then 14 years later, then I met back up with them again. And he, he gives all the who about. He also says that while I'm with the apostles, while I'm with the ones who were with Jesus, and I had Titus with me, who's a Gentile, who is not a Jew, but they accepted him as a Christian. They didn't require something else of him. The apostles didn't do that. And after I shared with them the gospel, the gospel I was sharing with the Gentiles, they didn't add anything to the message. They didn't say, oh yeah, but you need to add this and you need to add this or you need to. No, the apostles, he's trying to build assurance that what he is sharing with them is the gospel. So he does that. And then the last part last Sunday was three times. Three times he says, we're in agreement. The agreement is, is that I, Paul, will go to the Gentiles and Peter will go to the Jews. And the reason we're going to these different groups is to share with them the gospel. The gospel. He says that three times in that passage. So he gives them assurance. So that catches us up to verse 11. Verse 11. And I put up there, Paul gives a for instance. Let me give you a for instance of how much I believe. This. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was in the wrong. How much do I believe this? That when Peter came to Antioch, so Peter came up to visit Paul, I opposed him to his face because he was wrong. Prime example. And what's terrible here is Paul gives you the he gives you the ending of the story before he tells you the story. He tells you what, he, what he's going to do. Verse 12, um, before certain men came from James, what that means is James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, of uh, the Christian church in Jerusalem. 
And so he sent up some of his representatives, so they would have been Jewish Christians who came up. He, meaning Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they, these ones that came from James, arrived, he, Peter, began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was, say that next word with me, afraid, afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Now, I love it when the Bible gives us a scene that we can play out this morning because I think in seeing the scene, you under, you'll understand the passage better. And even a little farther down in verse 14, it says, when I saw, so Peter saw, or Paul saw something. Okay, so I'm going to need some help this morning. I need eight people right up here. Who wants to come on up here? Eight people. Yeah, you can come on up. You're going to just stand here. I need seven. Okay, come on. Move, 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 move. Oh, okay. Okay. Six. <clears throat> Five. Oh, come on. We need. Yeah, okay. Here comes Tim. All right. We, yeah, this side, right in here. You can just kind of be a bunch. You can just kind of be a bunch there. Don't worry. Yeah, one, two, three. What do, what do we got? We got seven. I need eight. More? Oh, here comes Alice. Okay, okay. So we got that side. Now I need three more right here. Three more right here. Three more right here. Okay, one, two, three. All right, all right. You guys stay right there. It's beautiful when you see the scene. So now I gotta make you okay. So Scott, you're gonna be Peter, and, and you're and and David, you're gonna be Barnabas. Okay, okay. So um, let's see. Come over here. You guys, you three are Jewish Christians, okay? And you three are Gentile Christians. Got it? Got it. Okay. So if we go back to this passage of scripture. Before certain men came from James. So now you guys are the Jewish Christians who have come from James. You guys stand right here. Now just watch what happens. <clears throat> he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. See, see what's going on over here is they're eating together. They're worshiping together. They're all Christians. They're saying, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? <laughs> yeah, they were doing that over here. Okay. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Yeah. Because he was afraid of those who belonged in the circumcision group. Okay? Now watch this. Um, verse 13. First point, he was following fear rather than faith. He was afraid. He was afraid he was in the wrong group. But listen to what it says. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So you guys are the don't no, not not you yet. <laughs> yeah. You guys, yeah. <clears throat> so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, our friend Barney, our friend Barney, Barney is 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 toted so much in the scripture. What does he do? He was led away. So Barney. Okay. I want you to see here that there's a division, isn't there? There's a division. There's this group over here that are Jewish Christians. 
And this group over here, they're Gentile Christians. And just previously, there was a group over here. But out of fear, out of fear, Peter made his way over there. And see what fear does? People follow fear. People follow fear. And fear brought these rest of these men over, and then even Barnabas over here. And just by looking at this, just by looking at this, well, this must be the right group, and that must be the, yeah, or this group has something that this group doesn't have. Or this group needs something more than what this group has. Tremendous division that you see right in front of your eyes. And that's why when I, when I said verse 14, when I saw, that's Paul, when I saw, when I saw, when I saw this happening, played out right in front of me, that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Now I'll stop right there to say, he said that phrase one more time. Truth of the gospel, he said in verse 5. In verse 5, he said, we do not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. At that time, Paul is speaking about false brothers. He's saying the false brothers have come in and said, we need, no, there's more to the gospel than that. And he says, we didn't budge because we want you to have the truth of the gospel. Now, how much do I believe this? Then I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell one of my brothers. Yeah, one of the brothers that, that I'm going to stand up and say, wait a minute, you guys are wrong. Not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Now, the next thing, uh, you guys are big, just hold with me just a little bit longer. I want you to see what happens next here. There's a very public rebuke of Peter. And I put up there probably involving food. I mean, so when he's in this group over here with the Gentiles, they're eating all kinds of food and they're in all different places. And, and all these kosher laws and everything that they lived with are, are, are kind of like, no, we are together in Christ. We are together in Christ. So it's probably some of the reason for the separation that was going on there. But watch how he confronts him. He confronts him, but with an explanation. And this is important. I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew. Every time I read that, I, I want to say, this is a football. You know, Vince Lombardi. Um, you are a Jew. He's going back to the basics. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. You, you were living like a Gentile there and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So he brings this very public thing, this correction up for his brother to say, wait a minute, this is not in line with God's scripture. And how is you as a Jew? You're a Jew. And you were over there. And now you're over here. Why are you over here? And don't you realize that even just walking over here, that you've made a judgment on those people over there who you were just worshiping with? Who said that Jesus is the Christ? Yeah, do you feel the weight? Yeah, okay, I'll let you all sit down. I'll let you all sit down. I just wanted to really put the screws on Scott there. But um, 
<clears throat> but I want you to see he's gonna make he's he's gonna make this um he's gonna point he's pointed out something at Peter. But now watch what he does. And because essentially what was happening, we have something on this side that they don't have. He goes on to say, we who are Jews by birth. Now just notice there, what does he do? He goes from pointing a finger at Peter to now using the word what? We. We. He's saying, he's, he's identifying with Peter. He's saying, no, we're together. We're, we're, we're Christians. We're apostles. We're together on this. We, we now together, who are Jews by birth, are not Gentile sinners. In this situation, we do have something they don't have. Peter, we do have the covenants of God. Because we were born Jewish by birth, we have the words of God. We have the history of the Jewish, our Jewish forefathers. We have all of these things that are there. We have a tremendous amount. And we are not Gentile sinners. We, are, we were not born it, uh, without God. Without God as our God, that knowledge of God, we weren't born that way. And because we were born in such a privilege, I know it's a bad word to say sometimes, but in this privileged state that we have all of this from God, we have all of this from God, then it goes to verse 16. Know, and he'll say this three times, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ. He says, because we, of our position, because we know God's word, we know this. We know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too, there's that we again, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not observing the law. So he said a second time. No doubt he's going to say a third time, right? Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. He says, we know this because we are the people of God and we have the words of God that guide us in this. I, I, I thought of this. He, we know this. We have accepted this. That's the second phrase. And the third one is we preach this. We preach this. So he starts off this confrontation by pointing out what's wrong, but then he goes into the correction by saying, wait a minute, we... This is what we know, Peter. This is what we know. Verse eight, verse 17, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, because Peter, what happened, I put on that phrase there, Peter was standing over here thinking, I'm in the wrong group. Uh-oh, I'm in the wrong group. Some other people, he didn't invite those people over to this group. No, he thought he was in the wrong group and I need to get over to the other group that's over there. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, if we're trying to live out this saved life, this, this justification that we are all in Christ, those who are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners. We are, are evident that we ourselves are sinners. We're in the wrong group. You could look at it that way, or some have said, if you go to Romans, some might say, well, you came to Christ because that means your sins are forgiven. And you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Does that mean someone coming to Christ and their sins are forgiven, that it allows them to do whatever they want 
And it's okay. And, and Jesus is actually promoting that. What's he say? Absolutely not. Why it's not possible? Is because if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, who are you following? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the sinless one. He's the one without sin. So now I am following one who is without sin. Do you think I'm going to be going towards sin if I'm following after him? No, I mean, we are going to sin. I don't want you to think that it's perfect life. No. But if we're truly following after him, we're following after the one who was without sin. Without sin. If I, He says next, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. So Peter was saying, I'm saved by grace, but my actions are saying something differently when I went across the stage. Notice here what Paul does. So he pointed out the problem with Peter, point, kind of points to Peter. Then he goes to we, we, this is we, and we're in this, we're similar, Peter, we're we, and that, now look where he goes, I. He changes the I. He says, if I rebuild, he doesn't point at Peter anymore. He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. Now, I want us to go back to chapter 1 and verse 8. When Paul says this, but even if we, and that would include himself, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. He says, even if it comes from me. So now he internalizes this and he says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, well, what was destroyed? What was destroyed is that there are two groups of people. That if you are in Christ, you are in Christ with all others who are in Christ. That's what he destroyed. He tore the veil. He, he made it possible for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It does not matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. That's what he destroyed. But if I, if I rebuild it, and that's what happened here. See, Peter was over here living justified in Christ with others in Christ. But when he moved across the stage over here, he just rebuilt what was destroyed. And then Paul says, I prove I'm a lawbreaker. I'm breaking the law. Because if you're in this group over here, you're probably pointing your finger at those people over there. You know, they're not just quite there yet. And he says, no, no. If you're pointing your finger at them, you're the lawbreaker. Turn it back around to yourself. I'm the lawbreaker. Now, I, I didn't put this down on your sheet, but I do want to read Ephesians 3, 6. It kind of plays this out. Ephesians 3, 6, where Paul says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the prom of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying there's one body, one body of those who are in Christ. Do not rebuild it. So he goes on. Next one. <clears throat> For through the law, I died, and he keeps on I. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might 
I might live for God. <laughs> I think that's what it's supposed to say. Um, so the law has a purpose. The law has a purpose in our lives, but the law can never save. The law always points us that we are sinners, but the law always also points out that there is a Savior. And I need to keep that in perspective, that the law has a purpose. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And then he says this great declarative statement. I, this is why I believe this so much. Okay, this is why I believe this so much. How much do I believe this? Well, because I know from God's law that he's, it has shown me a sinner and that there is a Savior and that the only way that you can be justified is by faith in Christ Jesus, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm going to stop right there. All those eyes, you see all the eyes and the me's and everything else? He makes this declarative statement to Peter. This is why. This is why I stand where I stand. It's because I have been crucified with Christ. I want you to have that assurance. You can hear the assurance of Paul when he says those words that are there. I live by faith in the Son of God. And then this last part, he brings in the gospel. Who loved me and gave himself for me. If we go back, back to verse 3 of chapter 1. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Paul could say, who gave himself for my sins. And to rescue me from this present evil age. He says that this is why I stand on this. Because my God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. To die on a cross for my sins. And, and he gave himself for me. Now he finishes with verse 21. Paul's back on his soapbox. I do not set aside the grace of God. I do not set aside the grace of God. That's what Peter did. When Peter was over here, and then he went over here, because this group must have been the better group than that group over there, he set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, and the answer is, can it? No, no. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This one that I've been telling you about, if you could make it on your own, if you could do it in some other way that you would get to heaven, then the reason for Jesus coming was for naught. Why'd he even come? Why'd he die on a cross? Not necessary. Because you could, just, you could just be able to do it on your own. So I put a couple things here. First of all, a question. Have I rebuilt that my works are my salvation? Have I stumbled back in? Have I come to faith in Jesus Christ? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Kind of thing. I've, I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But after a while, after a while, I've drifted over to the other side of the platform. And I've started to make some rules, some judgments. They're more man-made. And now I, I can see that you have to remember that when we had these people up here, they were all Christians. They were all Christians, but there was a division between them. Because they, they valued the ways of man more than the ways of God. 
And so we have to watch that because we will make divisions within the body of Christ in many different ways. I didn't think I was going to share this, but I will this morning. Here's one way. Here's one way that I've seen just recently. There's a very famous word that has been, you know, words crop up and they come into our culture and we use them over and over again and everything else. The problem with that is many times we don't know what the definition of the word is. Or people use the word in many different ways. And so the word is woke. The word is woke. And there's many people that don't even know what, what is the definition of that word in light of our culture. And so in our culture today, if I had these two groups up here, these are the unwoke Christians and those are the woke Christians. Hmm. Division. Division. And I can tell you that most likely what's happened in either one of the groups, because it can happen in either one of the groups, is that it's because their focus has been taken off of Jesus Christ. Maybe in the woke Christian group, the, the focus is on maybe some, some cause or something that has risen to the top that we need to address or something like that. You know, and, and it is, is overtaken that, that group. And the focus is on that. Over here, the unwoke, <laughs> they, can get, they can get off the rails also because now all it is all you, that they are doing is pointing fingers at those other people. And they've gotten their focus off of Christ. That All they're doing is trying to discern. And I, I tell you, it goes both ways, that we have to watch it because we'll make divisions within the body of Christ. It's easy. It's easy to do that. Let me give you one more. I've said this one plenty of times, so you won't be a surprise. <clears throat> I grew up in a church that um, you did not drink, okay? You did not drink, and and nobody in the church drunk, uh, drank any. No, we we would drink water, yeah. But this is where I may, hopefully I get a little funny here. But we so so I there was none of that in our home. There was none of that in our home. I I I've never drank. Well, I, I always say I never drank alcohol. When I was in Europe on a missions trip, they served communion, and and when I I touched the communion cup to my mouth, which was common cup. You know, I, I thought, I need to tell the pastor that this grape juice has gone bad. You know, because I didn't realize it's wine. Kind of thing. I didn't realize that. Um, and Or another time is we were doing a youth group um, car wash. And there were people coming and we were washing cars and everything else. Somebody left. They had gotten out of the car. They left afterwards. And there was a beer can left by the tree because they were drinking beer. And it was left by the tree. And, and I had never held a beer can. <laughs> And so, but I had always seen them, you know, people shake it up and, you know, kind of thing. I thought that would be fun. You know, so here I am, a teenager. I shipped that baby up. When I clicked it, it went, just drenched me. I mean, man, I came home and my mom, like, what a minute here. Okay, so that's enough funny about that. Um, but because I grew up in that, it's very, it was very easy for me to look at someone who did drink as like something is wrong with them. Now, of course, we're not talking about drunkenness. We're not talking about excess, okay? But I could look at anybody. It would be easier for me to do that 
You'll look at anybody and say, because they drink, where I'm at their house and they open up the refrigerator and there's wine in the refrigerator, you go, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have quite, they're not quite there yet. But the flip side, you could do the other. If you are somebody who drinks, you could look at me and go, boy, the, the pastor, man, he's in bondage. You know, he's really in bondage. He has not come to the level of freedom that he needs to come to. See, see how it can go both ways? And we can create division. So have I rebuilt something <clears throat> that has added to the gospel? I put this phrase up there. Justification, it, this is a definition. Justification is the act of God. It's not your act. You, aren't, you don't justify yourself. It's an act of God whereby he declares, God declares, God says, God, God positions you, not you, the believing sinner. I love that phrase because that's us. You're a sinner, but you're saved. You're a sinner who has come to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior and, and you have surrendered your life to him. You are a believing sinner. He declares the believing sinner righteous. That word righteous means a right standing before God. In is the biggest word. In. Because how does all of this happen? The only way it happens that you can be in a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't put it on your sheet, but here's an application. An application is, do you have true assurance of God's salvation to you? Do you have true assurance of God's salvation to you? You may be a Christian, and maybe you sense that you've walked across the stage. And now your life is all about morals and keeping the right morals and not on Christ. And therefore, if you hang out there, you're going to start judging other people. Or you might be here this morning and and you don't know Christ. And I do pray that your eyes and your ears have heard that there is a God in heaven who sent his son to die on a cross for your sins so that you may be forgiven of your sins and and receive eternal life. And he did that because he loved you. He loved you. And you can have true assurance of your salvation in God. True assurance. One last thing that I always like to give you something you can tweet, but I guess we don't tweet anymore. I was always uncomfortable with that. Tweet. Because I thought of that song. Diddly, diddly, tweet, tweet, tweet. Yeah, that's why I was, I was singing that song. But now we X. That's what we do. We X. But when you, when you add to the gospel, you diminish the gospel. Anytime that you add to the gospel, the gospel is verses three through five. You diminish the gospel. You say it was not necessary for Jesus to die on the cross for my sins because I can get there another way. And Paul stands on his soapbox and he says, "No." And it, it, how much do I believe this? I'll I'll stand against Peter, and I'll correct Peter. In a way that we are together and in a way that he understands the the ramifications of it so that he can do the same. In which Peter does. Peter does. Peter, this does not scar Peter for life, what Paul did to him. 
Peter goes on to write, first and second Peter, Peter, Peter goes on to continue to share the gospel, not only with Jews, but also with Gentiles. But I, I want you to have the sure assurance of, of your salvation. That you can stand alone on that. That I have salvation because of Christ, not because of anything I have done. Hopefully it will help us that when we see someone in Christ, we will have greater celebrations together. And when we have those opportunities where we're people in Christ and you see others that are over here, instead of going over, bring them over here. God, bring them over here next time, okay? Bring them over here. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Um, we, I think we have one more song from the ladies this morning. That has been so wonderful. But um, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, this passage of Scripture, of course, uh, just leads into the next passage of Scripture. This is a letter that was written. Sorry, we have to break it up at times, Lord, um, to be able to work with it in time constraints. But, Lord, I, I'm thankful for the confidence that Paul has in you. I, I pray that we would also hear that and, and realize and have assurance of our salvation. I, I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that if we have rebuilt up what you have destroyed, Lord, that we would recognize it. We would recognize at that point that we are the lawbreakers. That you have come, that Jew and Gentile, slave or free, male or female, might come to you. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, confess with your mouth. Uh, profess and confess, Lord, with our mouth and our heart that you are the Son of God. Lord, please forgive us for the divisions that we have made within your body. And Lord, even some of these topics this morning that we need we need more discussion or definitions so that so that we do not unjustly judge others. We don't we don't put a, everybody into a box. The only box that we can be sure of is that those who are in Christ are in Christ. So we ask this all in your precious and holy name. Amen.